Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and I'm going to be very, 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 very modern today. What is modern? I don't know. Modern is contemporary. Modern is current. Modern can be a temptation where we want it to be so modern that we're more important about being modern than we are about being right. I was talking to a man who was deeply involved in technology. And you know, I mentioned this once before, I'm, I'm not leaving this theme of brain hacking and irresistibility about telephones because it affects us all. And we have to be able to know, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew, where is the line I draw in the sand? What do I need of the technology? How much of it will help me? We went from big computers to small computers to laptops to iPads to big telephones to wristwatches. A wristwatch which tells us our time and keeps us on track and now is yet another way to interrupt our lifestyles. And we have to make a decision about whether we want to do that or not want to do this. Well, my grandson, like many adolescents in America, like many Americans, is hooked on Hamilton. We were blessed, he and I, to see the stage production of Hamilton. It is written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it has taken the country. I love stage performances. I love to watch people who put the energy into memorizing lines and learning songs and dances that communicate a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience because they can never do it again. The video I can rewatch, but a live production is just that. And since I was a young girl, my mother took me to my very first live stage production. I was nine years old. We lived in Chicago. I put on my white gloves and a little hat, literally, went to downtown Chicago on the public transportation, went to the Schubert Theater, now has a new name, and watched a play that my mother had no idea what it was about. It was called Gypsy Rose Lee. And it's about a striptease artist. And I remember my mother being very antsy, but I didn't understand any part of the play, except it was my first introduction to this live production. So doing it with my grandson was absolutely terrific. Now he has memorized all the songs and all the words. And because I'm a grandmother who wants to be connected with my grandchildren and the things that they love, I'm interested in the things they watch they read, they're interested in. I learned about Pokemon. I really don't care about Pokemon. My granddaughter's reading a series of books that are so pink and bubble and girl that I, I, it's just mesmerizing. I would never read them except that I love this little girl and I want to know what she's reading, what she's writing. So Samuel and I went and I listened to the two CD Two, two of them, I want you to hear that. 46 songs, I want you to hear that. And some of the songs are raucous and reckless, and some of the words are not perfect. But there is something about the whole process, and I think it's partly because it's historically based for me. And, but there's something about the process. So Alexander Hamilton, he was the Secretary of Treasurer. He was one of the founding fathers. He wrote a lot of important documents. He was a writer of extraordinary proportion. He ran in elections. He was shot in a duel when he was a young man by Aaron Burr. 
And so through this play, they tell the story of Alexander Hamilton, where he came from, how he got to America, how he entered into politics and political life and making a statement about things that he thought was important, how he met Eliza, his wife, and was mesmerized for her. And when she came from a very wealthy family and he was broke and how they married and they had this sweet and wonderful relationship and then he worked too much and he worked too much and she wanted him to take the summer off and he stayed in the city and he had a reckless affair with a woman and it broke Eliza's heart and Hamilton not being a very wise man in the first place he may have been brilliant but he not only wanted to defend himself about it he wrote a pamphlet I understand it was 95 pages long it was small but he wrote a pamphlet and spread it around so his version of what happened could be told really Hamilton broke his wife's heart and then his firstborn son who is just graduating from boarding school his father's name has been challenged and the son strikes a duel with his college roommate for defaming his father he strikes him to a duel and they have a pistol duel and the son is killed and here's the mother can you put yourself in that place? I can't think about it without crying. And I think she was going through a place in her life that I call unimaginable. Unimaginable. And I think about my own child being killed in a pistol duel. So this play is ending down now. And uh, it's nearly to the end, and there's a song that's called It's Quiet Uptown. And it's a ballad. It's the quietest of all the songs, and maybe that's why this old Nana liked it so much. Uh, but it's called It's Quiet Uptown. But the theme of it is they are working through the unimaginable. And it describes in ballad form that Alexander Hamilton has moved to a different part of town. Maybe he's not so known there, and it's quieter there. It's not a part of the political fervor that he's been used to. And he's walking the streets and thinking, and he's by himself because Eliza has needed time. And the song goes on. It's unimaginable. Can you imagine? They're working through the unimaginable. And then finally she walks with him on another stanza and they're just walking together and then finally he says look at where we are and look at where we started would you hear me out eliza the challenges we're facing are enormous and i know there's no replacing the past and i'm i'm just weeping through this and then comes these powerful words and i'm actually have my computer lined up now you if you're a praying person you if you were in studio would pray that i would do this right because it's not my first strength but i think i have it queued up so will you listen to one minute of the end of the song and listen for words like grace and forgiveness and unimaginable I understand we push away the
I also love the piano because I think someday I could play that beautiful melody. It breaks my heart because I think that when we get in situations that are unimaginable, estrangement from people we love, death, illness, devastating illness, it's unimaginable. And I want to say to you, wherever you are in your faith walk, how much dependency you have on Christ and acceptance and understanding that he died so that these unimaginable sins and pains can be forgiven. They can be forgiven. Forgiveness is a hard thing to do. And we've talked about forgiveness on this show But the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And he tells us in his word that when we are forgiven, and we ask his forgiveness for the things we do. And so today, through Hamilton, through this blockbuster live production, would you consider, is there something that has happened to you that was so painful you would call it the unimaginable? And could you offer forgiveness? And then is there something that's happened in your life that you are angry with God about? Because he allowed this. How could this have happened? Devastation of finance. Your house is burned down. You're, you're homeless. You're helpless. And you're mad at God. Could you look to understanding his forgiveness and what he did for you and that his best plan is always best for you. Thank you, Lynn Manuel Miranda, for your writing, for your economy of words, and for, in our culture today, reminding us that there are unimaginable things that happen to us, that we can stand with one another and look to the past and imagine what it might have been, and forgive one another, and move forward together. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of forgiving the unimaginable.